Welcome to Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and we're glad that you could make it here this morning. If you've got a bulletin, you'll probably notice a little change in our in uh, what we're talking about today. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are here, and we're glad that you are are with us this morning. And so today we're going to be talking about Axe Moms rather than Axe Men. And you'll notice on your bulletin there's even a little flower. Isn't that nice? You know, uh, <laughs> but it, we, we try to be creative around here. We try. So, uh, but it's glad, glad you could be here this morning. I hope you have a great uh, time uh, today uh, celebrating Mother's Day. Uh, and if, and uh, I hope you, you can get your kids to do something for you, Mom, okay? I know our two are working today, so it's, uh, it's, that's great. Uh, I know that you'll notice in your bulletin there's a set of notes. If this is your first time here, what we're going to be doing is we're going to have a lesson, and, and there's a set of notes with some blanks that you can fill in those blanks if you like. And circle some words if you want. And you'll notice also there's a communication card uh, that's uh, in this bulletin. If you've got if you've got a prayer concern or something you'd like for the, our prayer team of people to pray about, we have a we have a group of people that do nothing but pray through these cards. And so if you've got a special need or or you or maybe a request that you'd like some help with, uh, use that card to communicate that. We'll be taking that card card up at the end of this service when we, when we sing our, uh, uh, before we sing our final song, and we'll be getting our contribution as well. Speaking of contribution, again, if you're a guest here, you're under no obligation to give to this church. You know, we didn't bring you here. You weren't invited here to see if we could fleece mom out of some bucks here. Well, that wasn't what it's about. It's really to give you something. We hope you're blessed today. But for the membership, please give generously. I want to remind you about that, all right? We've got to keep the lights on, all right? Um, uh, there's some, you're going to notice some stuff about camp. We've got camp coming up here really quick. And, and uh, we've got you know, primary week and uh, junior high, high school this week. And, and Gina, are you so, going to say something about camp this morning with primary week? Primary week is our little kids' camp. We have a great, a, a great, um, a great time with them. And uh, you know, it's never too early to, to get uh, the Lord involved in that. So if, you, if you'd like to help send a kid to camp, whether it's primary or high school, you, know, just, uh, you might want to designate this is for primary uh, or this is for high school, that or, or junior high, high school camp, or team week. That'd be great. Um, again, guys, uh, camp changed my life. I went. I, I, I grew up in a home that wasn't a very good Christian home. Okay, it, it wasn't a Christian home. But when I went to camp, my mind was always blown away by the things I learned, the singing, the devotionals. And I think I'm a Christian today, because, largely because of church camp. And so if, you, if you've got fond memories of church camp and you don't have any kids to send anymore, you empty nesters or you grandparents, hey, man, why don't you, how about either send a kid to camp or, or donate a little bit of it. And part, part, part of, the, of the funds, you know, can go to, to, to do that as well. But we're going to be having a great time. Uh, you, you, you can read more about that and talk to people. You can read more about that in the bulletin and you can talk with those at the Welcome Center if you've got more questions about camp this year, okay? All right. Again, uh, we're in we're in this series called Acts Men, and you might you say, Tim, how are you going to do the book of Acts uh, on Mother's Day? Well, because in the book of Acts we find some moms, Acts moms, and that's what I want to talk about to you uh, this morning. You know, the the church, the, the the church did not start without women. You know, the Bible, the book of Acts isn't just about the acts of men, but the acts of women as well. In fact, look at this verse here. Right off the bat, in your notes up here on the screen in Acts 1, it's, notice it says here, before the church even started, when God said, I want you disciples to go, and I want you to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, they all joined together, and it says they were constantly in prayer. They're waiting for the Holy Spirit. 
along with the women, notice that, along with the women and Mary, the mother. Even moms are at the beginning of the church. You know, if, you, if you're the kind of person that doesn't like, don't like mom meddling in your stuff, well, guess what? Even moms were involved at the beginning of the church, all right? They were, Jesus' mom was there for crying out loud, all right? And I think that is so cool because the church didn't even get off the ground without the help of mom, okay? Now, look at this other verse that I, I thought I ran across. We find that all the axemen in the Bible, or a lot of the men, uh, axemen in the Bible, had moms that were also Christians. Here, for example, we're going to be reading in Acts 16 today, looking at Lydia. But look at this here. This is, it mentions, Acts 16 mentions Timothy. And he joins Paul. And look at it says here about Timothy. Paul's writing to Timothy, and he, and he talks about his heritage. He goes, I know that, you're, that you sincerely trust the Lord, for you have the faith of your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois. Now, the Bible is very clear that women play a major role in the church a major role in the kingdom. It's, it's my opinion, and I think there's some statistics that can back this up, that women seem to be a little more spiritual than men. That's the truth. This passage kind of tells you that, doesn't it? Where's Timothy's dad? Where's Timothy's granddad? All we know is the people that made the impact on Timothy, a preacher, was his mom and his grandma. It happens to be, my name's Timothy as well, and my mom and my grandma had a big impact on my life too. So this is a favorite verse of mine. Because I think about my mom and her faith, how she drugged me to church camp. That's when it changed. I was, I was, I was a hellion in training. My dad, you know, my dad could cuss better than any rapper. And I could out-cuss I bet you I could outcuss any of you here. You say, I'm pretty good at cussing. No, you're not. I was taught by the best. You say, do you still cuss? We'll go talk about that some other time. Hopefully not like I was trained. I'm not proud of it. But what I'm trying to say is, you know, I grew up in, I was a hellion in training. My dad was a beer drinker. He was a cusser. He, he. He was a hellion, okay? And I was a hellion in training. And what I learned was, I didn't learn anything from the Lord, or learn from my father anything about the Lord. I learned it all from my mother and my grandmother. My mother and grandmother's faith is what had an impact on me. And so Mother's Day is a special day to think about. I know not everybody here, by the way. For me, it's a special day to think about the heritage I have. I know some of you here do do not have pleasant memories of your mother. You may have not got the spiritual training, or the faith from your mother. I understand that. But the Bible says, the Bible teaches that moms were involved in the early church and moms had a major impact on the kingdom of God. Um, One of the things that um, we're going to look at here is in Acts 16, we're going to look at a mother in Acts 16. And what a mom Lydia is, okay? Well, what do you notice about her? What we notice about her, look at this verse here. I think, look what it says here. It says, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us into her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. And what I notice about Lydia here is, here's a woman who becomes a Christian first. She, she seeks the Lord, becomes a Christian, and her household follows. Where's the dad? Where's the husband? Some people think maybe she was a widow, that she, she, her husband had died. But here she is, and she, and she sets the pace for her home. She sets the pace for her family. And, Mom, I want to tell you something. 
You matter in the kingdom of God. Mom, you matter on this planet. Even if you've messed up, Mom, you matter. You matter big time. And dads, we can learn a lot from our moms. We can learn a lot from the moms we're married to. I'm talking about the mothers of our kids. We can learn. All of us can learn from how a mother loves kids. I was reading a... I I found this. I thought this was interesting. Uh, I found this this morning. Listen, these are the words of a guy named... uh, uh, John Killinger, and he says the, this. Um, he says, "I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of the Loving God, who was born of the promise to a virgin named Mary. I believe in the love Mary gave her Son, that caused her to follow Him in His ministry and stand by His cross as He died. I believe in the love of all mothers, and its important importance in the lives of their children they bear. It is stronger than steel and softer than down, and more resilient than a green sapling on a hillside." It closes wounds, melts disappointments, and enables the weakest child to stand tall and straight in the fields of adversity. I believe that this love, even at its best, is only a shadow of the love of God, a dark reflection of all that we can expect of Him, both in this life and the next. And I believe that one of the most beautiful sights in the world is a mother who lets this greater love flow through her to her child, blessing the world with the tenderness of her touch and the tears of her joy. I want you to know this morning, Mom, I don't know what you, what's going on with you, good or bad. I want you to know you matter. You matter. It's a shame we only have one day to honor moms. Because moms deserve more than that. Especially a Christian mom. But let's look at Acts 16 and read a little bit about it. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Acts 16. Let's, let's read together and learn about this mother, this Acts mom. It says here in Acts 16, verse 1, He came to Derby. He's talking about Paul. And then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along his journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bethina, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got at once got, uh, got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Samothrace, and the next day to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Who is this woman? Well, we know something about Lydia, and that's this. She wanted a spiritual home. And her, because of 
because of this desire, this deep desire, she made an impact on her home. Her her desire to have a spiritual household came true. She sought the Lord. This was her deepest desires. And because she sought the Lord, the Lord granted that desire, fulfilled that desire. I know where, again, moms, but I, I know every mother would love to see their kids good, obedient, right? You know, when you get a call late at night, it's not, it's not the police, but it's somebody saying, man, I was impressed with your kid. You know, every mom, I, what is it? Uh, Randy Travis has a song, Mama's, Mama, Mama Prays. And, you know, and I think about, I just think about Lydia. Here's a woman who's praying. She's praying in a river. Why, is she, why are they praying near a river? Because there's no synagogue in, in this town of Philippi. There's not enough Jews to have a synagogue. You've got to have at least ten Jewish men to have a building, a Jewish building. And there's, no, there's, no, there's not even ten Jewish men in, the, in this city of Philippi. And so these women are, are gathered at a riverside and they're praying. And you, and, you, and you think, well, what's going on? So they're praying, and while that's going on, God is telling Paul, I don't want you to come to Asia. And Paul has a vision, come to Macedonia. Come to Macedonia and help us. And so they decide, we're going to go to Macedonia because it seems like God is leading us somewhere. By the way, guys, just to give you a, a heads up, sometimes negative stuff in the kingdom is closing a door to open a door to some positive stuff. Just remember that, okay? Whenever there's negative stuff happens in the church, oh, we got trouble, oh, we got this stuff going on, maybe God's closing a door to open up another door. Have you ever thought about that? Because that's the, the Spirit of Jesus is the one that said, uh-uh, you're not going here. But we want to go. No dice. You're not going. You're going to Macedonia. And he has this vision. Come to Macedonia. So they go, and they say, well, let's go down. There's no synagogue. Let's go to the... Why do people go to the river? I don't know. I, uh, there's, what's that song? An old brother out there? An old brother out there? As I went down to the river to pray. Why do we go to the river to pray? I don't know what. Maybe there's something to it. So they go to the river to pray. And who do they run into? Some women that are praying. And one of them happens to be Lydia. Who happens to be praying. What about? All kinds of things. Perhaps one of them is she's praying for her family. She's a worshiper. She's not a Jew. She's not a convert. But she worships God. And and she worships what she knows. And she's seeking God. And God arranges, arranges a meeting. I want you to know, Mom, if you're wanting your family to be spiritual, God wants to come help you with that. And, And I want you to know, Dad, you know, we can learn, parents, we can learn from this woman four choices that will make our home spiritual. Well, what are they? What are these choices that Lydia made? that you and I need to make. Well, the first choice that Lydia makes and that we need to make is that I'm going to open my heart to God. Lydia decides she's going to open her heart to God. You say, well, God opens her heart. Well, that's true. Well, let's look at this here. Look at verse 13 here. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Now, the word speak here doesn't mean preach. They didn't just start preaching at them. It means to have a conversation. And they're speaking to these women that have gathered there. And notice the next verse here. It says, One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple, a purple cloth, from the city of Thyatira. 
who was a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Guys, if you want to have a spiritual home, parents, if you want to have a spiritual home, it starts with opening your heart to God. It's saying, I'm going to listen to what God has to say. I'm going to be a learner. I'm going to be a student. I, I want to know. I want to know what God would want, what would please God. What would God want in my home? That's what we find. We find Lydia praying. And I think she's praying for her family. And God answers it by sending somebody into her life. If you've got somebody in your life right now trying to teach you the Word of God, and you've been praying, you know, God, I've been praying for years, you know, to give, give us help. We don't, we don't know where to start. And you've got somebody coming into your life and they're starting to share the Word of God with you. God's answering your prayer. He's answering your prayer this morning. And, and, it's, and Lydia's, her, her, her heart is open, her mind is open, and she's listening to what Paul is saying. And the Lord, it says, opens her heart. I've heard somebody say that dad may be the ha- head of the household, but mom's the heart of the home. you agree with that? You know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of truth there. You know, dad may be the head of the house, but mom is the heart of the home. And what kind of heart does Lydia have? It's an open heart. A heart that listens. A heart that's open to what to learning. She's open to, to the Word of God. Now, listen to me, parents. This isn't just this isn't just a, a Mother's Day lesson. It's for both of us, including me. What do you think our family sees us focused on most of the time? What do you think our kids are watching and seeing as our primary focus? Is it about learning? Is it listening to the Word of God? Is, is, it, is it, you know, having this desire that says, you know, I want to know what God has for me or has for my life. Look at this, look at this passage of David. He says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. What a heart, David says. I've got this heart that's so open. Lydia's the same way. You know, she says, Lord, I just want, I want to know you. I worship you. I want to know more of you. And God supplies. What are your kids seeing as your primary focus? Is it money? Is it work? Or is it Jesus? Is it spiritual stuff? Or is this all the stuff that, you know, that just crowds it all out, crowds all that spiritual stuff out? What do they see us? How do they, what do they see us do when we're worried about something? Do they see you and I praying about it? You know, talking to other people about what do I do? Or do they see us trying to gut it out on our own? Some independent way. They see us being stubborn. Because see, our kids are learning from us, folks. Our kids are learning. And I think that you know, because Lydia was such an open-hearted and was so, was so open-minded that her household was influenced by the Word of God every bit as much as she was. It's, it's interesting. Look at this next verse here. Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live according to your faith. Grant me purity of heart that I may honor you. What does your family see? Does your family see you in your Bible? Does your family see you in prayer? Does your family see you worship? If you want your family to be spiritual, it starts with you. It starts with me as parents, as grandparents. It starts with us. What am I modeling for my family? Here's the second thing I noticed that Lydia, as a mom, she teaches us, and that is that 
you know, that if I want a spiritual family, I have to make a second choice. And that second choice is I become a Christian. I don't know anything, anything more that encourages kids when they see mom and dad getting serious about discipleship. You say, well, they're just little kids or, or they're teenagers. They're too busy on their, you know, on their iPad or whatever. And, you know, they're too busy with their friends or tweeting and all that. They don't have time to. They don't watch me. You want to bet? They're watching every move we make. I, you know, my mother, I studied with my mother for 20 years, and then finally she, she becomes a Christian. And, you know, the, one of the best moments of my life, rates right up there with the birth of my children, is watching my mother commit her life to Christ. There's nothing more encouraging to a child, nothing more encouraging to other parents, nothing more encouraging, Mom, to a dad when you get serious about Christ. And listen, dads, you get serious about Christ. That encourages your wife, the mother of your children. And that's what she does. She becomes, she becomes a Christian. It says, notice it says here that she's one of the women listening. She's a worshiper of God, the Bible says there. And then the next verse says this. Look what it says here in verse 15. Not only is she a worshiper of God, it says, when she and the members of her household were baptized. Why does it start with her? It always starts with mom. It always starts with mom. When she and the members of her house were baptized, it says, she invited him at home and says, if you'll consider me a believer in the Lord, if you believe I'm a Christian, come and, 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 and stay at my house. And they go, okay. She had made this commitment. And then her family follows. Her family follows. You know, because Lydia follows the Lord, she's able to lead her family to Christ. I listened to somebody one, uh, a couple of years ago say to me, they said this to me. A parent did. And maybe you thought this. If you get my kids, you've got me. What are they saying? If you can get my kids, Tim, you've got me. So you're saying if I, if I pay attention to your children, that means a lot to you. Well, of course. That makes sense. But I was a little, a little uh, concerned. Because it sounds like a parent, is saying, a parent was saying this to me. If you get my kids, then you get me. But if you don't reach my kids, you don't reach me. Lydia said, no, 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 no. You reach me. Then we can reach the kids. Lydia isn't th- Guys, listen. Lydia is not depending on her kids to make her faithful. It's the other way around. And I've watched parents follow their children and watch grandparents follow their grandchildren to other churches, other places, other cities. I don't, I've watched grandparents move from where they've been all their life to another city because their, grand, their grandkids are there only to watch them move again. Take the hint. I remember one time, this one grandparent said, we're going to move over. We're moving to Dallas. You are? Yeah, we're moving to Dallas. And how do the kids feel? I don't know. It's kind of nervous in here right now, isn't it? You're saying, what are you trying to say, Tim? I'm saying that if you want to reach your family, and by the way, if you want to reach your family, it starts with you, Mom and Dad. I know that we have teenagers here and we have kids here that, that do not have Christian parents. I, I understand that. And God will do that. 
He will use teenagers. He will use kids to reach parents. I'm not denying that. But God wants to use mom and dad to reach the household. And if you want to reach, if you want your family to be spiritual, it starts with you being spiritual. It starts with you being a believer, a true Christian, not a poser, not an attender. You see, I've learned something over the years. I've watched people, parents that are attenders, and guess what kind of kids they have? Attenders. But the, but the, listen, parents, when you, mom and dad, when you are being a Christian, you don't have to be a perfect Christian, just a good one. Just a good one. It has an incredible impact on your kids. Where do I start, Tim? Making sure you're a Christian. Make sure you're right with God. You know, it's, it's, again, I told you this before. Lydia seems to have been a widow because nobody knows where the, the dad is. She has her own house. She's a businesswoman. By the way, I think that's really cool. She's, she's a dealer in purple. Some of you are wearing purple today. You know, uh, Melissa's wearing purple in honor of her mother today. And I see, I see some purple out here, you know. And uh, what a color. You know, that was, a, that was a color, you know, you could get. Back in, in the, during the time of the Bible, there weren't very many colors you could get. It wasn't like you could go to Lowe's or someplace and match paint. You know, I want this color, and you've got a piece of clothing or a piece of something, and they put it on a computer, and it computerizes it, digitizes the color, and mixes it just right, and you get the perfect color. I wish, you know, it wasn't like that in, Bible, in the Bible times. No, it was like, we're kind of locked in on certain colors. And one of them was purple, and it was hard to get. It came from shellfish, or certain shellfish. An excrement from a certain shellfish, and you could create this purple. And when you wore purple, it was like royalty. So if you've got some purple in a day, the, you know the Roman emperor wore nothing but purple. When he walked in, everybody knew who he was. He must be the emperor because he has nothing but purple. You say, well, doesn't Barney have purple? Well, we'll talk about it. I don't know. That came in my head. I'm sorry. But you just, uh, what you see is purple had to do with royalty and affluence. You had money. You had power if you had that, that kind of stuff. And she was a dealer of purple. And she was a good businesswoman. She had a, she had a home office in Thyatira and a branch office in Philippi. And she was working it. She even had a home in Philippi. But you know, what I love about this woman is, you know, I, somebody said it this way as I was researching about her this week. And some of you may not understand what I'm talking about. She was Mary and Martha combined. Mary and Martha. Mary, remember, she was, you know, she was busy and Martha was, well, she's working all the time, Jesus. You know, and, or Mary's sitting down. Sorry, Mary's at the foot of Jesus. Martha's the one running around. And, and remember, Jesus says, Mary, Mary, Martha, you know, Martha's chosen what is better. You know, Martha learned how to balance. And Lydia was a combination of these two women. She was busy, but never too busy to worship. She was a worker, but she was a worshiper as well. And what a balance we need to have in our professional world today, huh? To learn to balance those two. You know, I may put food in the belly of a kid, my kids, but, you know, there's more to, more to it than having food in the belly, but it's Christ in the heart. And, and, and church, I want to tell you, you know, the way the households, our households are led to Christ when we follow Christ. Look at, look at this. There's some other households mentioned. I want to mention to you. I know they're on your notes there. I, I thought this was interesting. There's other households mentioned. For example, Cornelius in Acts 10. Gary's going to talk about Cornelius next week. 
But his household is, is brought to the Lord. In fact, he, look at there. He says he brought his household together. And the Bible says they became Christians because of that. Another person, if you'll notice here, is um, the Philippian jailer. Am I right? Is that the next one? Yeah, the jailer in Acts 16. That's in this chapter. And we find out that the Philippian jailer takes Paul and Silas home with him. They teach him the gospel. And they, they notice here it says he washed their wounds. The same guy who whipped them becomes a Christian. Now talk about making a change in your life. You went from whipping somebody to putting salve on their wounds. And it, not only the jailer, but look at this guy named Crispus. He's a synagogue ruler. And it says his entire household believed in the Lord, as well as many other Christians who heard him. Who heard him. He spoke up about the Lord. He talked about Jesus. You know, I, I just think it's... Why? Because they became Christians first. They were, they were Christians first, and then they were able to reach their household. Even Acts 16, verse 1. Go back and look at that. It says Timothy. It says that Timothy, whose mother was a Jewess, and a believer. She was Jewish, but a Christian. I mean, households, guys, households are reached when mom and dad follow Christ. I got here, I will lead my family to Christ when I follow Christ. It's true. It may sound redundant, it may sound fundamental, but it's so true. Um. I, you know, I'm very excited about some of the changes around here at Greater Alton. I was reading something that disturbed me this week. It went something like this. We live in a very segregated world. And what, what do you mean, Tim? Well, he was talking, this guy was talking about how it used to be mom and dad schooled their children in the home. And then the schoolhouse was invented. And we begin to send our kids to school. Nowadays, they're, they're at school about seven hours, something like that, seven, eight hours a day. We send our kids away to get educated. Then we come to church, and churches are even segregating families. There's the kids' ministry. There's the teen ministry. There's the campus ministry. There's the young adult ministry. There's the seniors on the go they're not talking about high school, but you know, you know, see, I'm going with, and 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 I and I and I'm, I'm really wrestling with this right now because what what, what the, the article was trying to say was we bring our our family in and then we disperse them, and somehow, guys, we got to be careful here that we don't we, that as parents we we and by the way as grandparents, I got my my youngest is getting married next week. I'm still his old man. And after he gets married and establishes his own home, I will keep my nose out of their business, but I'll always stick my nose in his because I'm the old man. We don't stop parenting. We don't stop modeling when our kids come of age. Of course, it, it changes, of course. But I'm saying I hope we never forget that we are a major part of bringing up our children in the Lord. It's not a ministry's job. They help us do that. Because, see, you say, what are you trying to say, Tim? Well, this is the third choice. Here's the third choice that Lydia makes. And 
And notice it. The third choice is I'm going to worship with my family. She's a worshiper of God. And I believe she wor- I believe she brought her family down there. I believe she worshiped with her family. I heard somebody say a family, a family that prays together, stays together. I believe a family that worships together, honors God, and does so many incredible things to that family. It helps them grow. Helps that family work things out. Look at it says here in Psalms 147, verse 1. Praise the Lord how good it is to sing praises to our God. How pleasant and fitting to praise Him. He says it's really good to praise God. It's good to worship God. In fact, he says, happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. And, you know, Lydia knows these passages. And she's going, you know, what? I enjoy worship. And she made sure her family was involved in worship. And, and guys, if you want your church or want your family to be spiritual, you worship with them. And see, today, I find, I find that a lot of times we're not worshiping together anymore. But we're worshiping separately in our ministries. You follow me now? And I, I know that, by the way, I know the two young men that I have as sons are the way they are because I had help with ministry. I had help. It still fell to Denise and I. And I, I want you to know right now, parents, we're, we got to have you involved in your kids' lives. You've got to get involved in your kids' lives. I think we've gotten soft. Our society is saying, farm it out. Let somebody else do it. And it's so easy for us to drop them off and forget or, or, and really not do much with them when we're with them. Well, I wouldn't know where to start. Be a Christian. Be a disciple. That's a great place to start. Lydia started there. And she's and I noticed that there's there's something about worshiping together as a as a family coming together. You're saying, Tim, are you against us having a kids ministry and a kids worship going on in the back? No. But you can worship with your kids. Look at all these things. There's nine reasons to worship as a family. They're up here on the screen. First one is it increases a child's average life expectancy by eight years. You want your kid to live longer? Worship with him. Look at it. Significantly reduces the use of ri- and risk from alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. I don't know a parent alive that says, Yeah, I can't wait till my kids grow up so I can drink beer with them. You know, my dad never offered me a beer. He never did. He, now, maybe he did you. Were you a man by then? That's my brother. He offered you beer? He never offered me a beer. I thought it was because he wanted to keep it all for himself. That's what I thought. Oh, because he knew I wouldn't drink it. Oh, Dan, and he knew you would. Hang your head. <laughs> but I don't, these are statistics. The researchers have done this. It significantly reduces the risk of alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. If you don't want your kids using drugs, one of the things you can do to help, help reduce that risk, worship with them. It dramatically lowers the risk of suicide. Like here, kids are able to rebound from depression is 70% faster with kids who worship with with their parents, worship as a family. It dramatically reduces the risk of committing a crime. Look at here. It improves the attitude at school and increases school participation. And if those of you who are at school, you probably could say, I do see that. You can almost pick them out. I bet they go to church somewhere. 
I bet their parents go to church with them and I bet they worship together. It says here, it says uh, it increases their ability to distinguish right from wrong. No, duh. Establishes, establishes, look here, a connection to other families like an extended family. This is very important because our families are so fragmented now with divorce and relocation. I mean, it, it, the families are scattered everywhere now. And, and yet, yet the need for family is just as important and just as prevalent. And so when you're worshiping, you bring your children, you bring your family to church, you worship with them. And some of you here, you brought your moms. That's, that's awesome. When's the last time you sang a church song with your mom? Isn't that awesome? Now, we got some people who brought their mom and their grandma. That is really awesome. And I, I remember singing with my mom and grandma on the same row and going, this is, man, they sing good. It was really, it's really cool to sing together. You know, families sing, harmonize better together than they do with anybody else. Now, if you're all off key, it's at least a joyful noise, okay? Look at it says here. It says, if, by the way, I, 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 what I'm trying to say though is, is that we worshiping together, bringing bringing your family to church, worshiping together. Gives us connection with other families, other kids, other other moms and dads like uncles and aunts. They're kind of like that. That's a spiritual family. And it greatly increases the odds that they will lead an active church life as an adult. I know there's statistics say, oh, a lot of these kids are falling away. A lot of them aren't. And, it, and, it, and by the way, some of these statistics, you know, I, I, I hear about kids falling away. or You know, you go, I wonder what's going on in that house. And I do wonder what's going on in that house. But I just want to encourage you this morning to know that worshiping together helps. It helps. What are some things I can do? Can I give you four ways to worship with your family real quick here? First way is volunteer to serve in my child's ministry. Now, I know Jordy don't like that. I am not saying, listen, listen, we're having church camp. The teens are having church camp. Okay. I don't think they want their parents there. Am I right? So you can say amen. Okay. Yo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I understand that. I think there's certain situations, or maybe certain, certain families that that's not a good thing. When I go to church camp, I didn't want my dad there. I didn't want my mom there. So I'm not talking about maybe that idea of okay, hey, we're going to be bunking buddies. Oh no. Oh, I'm not saying that. I remember one time I was directing church camp primary week and Nathan, it was his first year. And we're driving down there and he goes, Dad, I want you to know if you really feel safe that you're going to be down there. Feel a little safer. I said, okay. But I knew I was director. We weren't in the same cabin. I'd see him. He'd see me. and We'd pass by and I'd go. He'd go. He'd wave back. He knew I wanted him to have that space. I wanted him to have other guys, you know, other people in his life to, to, to mold and shape him. And mom and dad said, I'm not talking about particularly church camp and volunteering for church camp, but I am saying getting involved in a kid's ministry or if helping with a teen ministry, how about just helping cut pizza or doing something else, you know, and let your kid be a kid, okay? But volunteer to serve in some way. Be connected. 
Way number two, join my family in the worship services. And you say, how's that work? My kids are back there. Well, you don't have to be out here every week. They don't have to be back there every week. You can bring them in here. I don't think there's a It says no bottled water. No, it doesn't say no kids. I don't even think it says that anymore, does it? I want you to know, you, sometimes, listen, I, this, is, this is what I've really, it's really been a, 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 a thought process this week, going, sometimes our kids need to see us singing and praying and listening to the sermon and filling out stuff and filling out a card. Why? Because they see it modeled. They see, Mom and Dad love the Lord too. Mom and Dad need Jesus too. Mom and Dad don't have it all together. Now, they figure that out later. But why not let them give them a heads up now? And give them a heads up now and say, you know, Mom and Dad don't have it figured out, and Mom and Dad need Jesus. So if they do get older, these kids get older, and they get stupid and they leave, or they get into their wild, crazy days, you know, that they'll someday wake up, maybe puking in a pot somewhere, going, I need to get back to Jesus. Because I saw Mom and Dad model that for me. But what I'm saying is, they need to, they need to you know, look at us. Guys, I'm not criticizing the church. I don't, I don't mean to criticize. But look at what we said in sections. Why? I don't want to listen to my old lady saying. Why not? Why are you locked into that chair? Is that the one you bought when we did that seat in the song? Is that the chair you bought? Is that why you want that chair? Unhook it and move it in another area then. It just fits my tushy just right, you know. Why, why do we have to set apart sometimes? Set with, I'm not saying every week. Jordy, it won't be every, every week. But sometimes we need to listen. We need to, I'm telling you, there's something. When my mother would sing next to me, and you say, oh, you're a mama's boy. Well, okay, whatever. I, I love singing next to my mom. Sometimes it was good. I didn't want to do it every week. But I'll tell you what, there's times when listen to dad sing. Dad came to church one time. And we sat in the back row. And Dan and I were in mischief. We were making airplanes and cutting up and joking around. And our dad does one of these. Turns around. I'm like, oh, no, we're dead meat. I would love to sit next to him and heard him sing to the Lord. The encouragement that would have been because Dad could sing. I'm saying, guys, you know, if you want, if you want, if you want your family to be spiritual, worship with your family. Here's number three: have regular family devotionals. Well, how often is that, Tim? Regularly. Well, how often would you say? Oh, how about once a week? And look at here: pray with my family daily. I don't know of anything. You know, my boys and I, we went through the Book of Proverbs on the way to school, and we would pick out. In the book of Proverbs, you know, it's 31 chapters long. There's usually 31 days in a month. And so we would pick a chapter that coincided with the day of the month, and we'd read a verse out of there. I remember one time we were driving to school, and we're, it's the 12th of the month, and the very first verse in Proverbs says, He who hates correction is stupid. Matthew's, Matthew's your turn to read. He who hates correction is stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's right. What's it mean? He hates correction is stupid? <laughs> yeah. What's that mean? And we talk about it on the way to school. Some of you here, if you guys, if you have, if you have the, the ability, the flexibility to, 
to either drive your kids to school or walk your kids to school, why not pray with them on your way to school? Why not just talk about something on the way to school? Some of you do. I know you do. And it shows in your kids' lives. But pray with your family before you go to bed. Just go, what are we going to pray about? I don't know. I'll tell you what my kids need to hear. They don't need to hear me praying about the cat. Now, they'll pray about the cat. And they'll pray about the dog and the little woolly worm they found. But you might pray about, you know, Lord, help me be a good dad or help me be a good mom. And your kids are hearing this. Why, they need help with that? Yeah. They need to, we'll remodel for them. We're modeling spirituality, spiritual values in this, in this home. If you want your, you say, well, uh, Tim, all my kids are gone now. When you're with your kids. When you're with your kids. I only get them on the weekends. When you're with your kids. Or they're, they're all grown up. And, but when you get with them, can we pray? Well, that'd shock them. You want to pray? Yeah. Okay. There's no food. We're not praying over food this time. We're just going to pray. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Here's the fourth choice. The fourth choice is, I will. I, I, I think Lydia decides, I'm going to help God's kingdom grow. She makes that choice. You say, how do you know that, Tim? Well, she invites these guys into her home. After she becomes a Christian, she says she starts being hospitable and strategic and purposeful. She's going to use her home now. She's going to use the resources she has now. And she says, hey, you guys think I'm a believer. If you think I'm really a Christian, why don't you come and stay with me? I want to help you. I mean, where are you, where are you going to stay tonight? Where are you going to work? Well, come on. Come to our house. Let me take care of you. And, 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 and what's, it persuades them to do that. It persuades them. Look at this. Look at this very last verse in Acts 16:40. The reason I want to show you this verse is where we stopped reading. The story then changes to a woman who's uh, demon possessed, and Paul casts out the demons. And the guys that owned the woman and were making a lot of money from this woman have a big fit. They grab Paul and Silas. They begin to beat them. They put them in jail. They're flogged. It says severely, severely. They're beaten pretty good. They're in jail. They're locked up. And about midnight, some singing is coming from their cell. And it's them singing. I don't know about you, but getting beat severely is going to make you break out in song. But they're singing and praising God. And then there's an earthquake. And the Philippian jailer goes, you know, he's getting ready. He, he sees the building's collapsed. He realizes, I'm going to be dead because somebody's gotten away. He grabs his knife. He gets ready to kill himself. And Paul says, hold it. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. He gets a torch. The jailer does. He looks inside the jail. They're all there. And he says, man, what do I do to be saved? And they teach him the gospel. He becomes a Christian. His household becomes a Christian. And then they're released from prison. And look where they go. Whose house do they go to? They go to Lydia's place. Paul and Silas then returned to the home of Lydia. And look what they did. Where they met with the believers and encouraged them once more before leaving town. Is Lydia starting a church? Kind of sounds like it. And she's using her house. And people are meeting there. And Paul and Silas, after they get beaten, after they get, uh, they get persecuted, and they finally get free, let's go to Lydia's house. She was good to us. They're not meeting at the river anymore. They're meeting 
in a house. And I just think it's so cool because what Lydia is doing is, guys, she cares about her children, her household and her grandchildren. So she's investing in the kingdom now so it can be around later. You follow me now? That's what you see here. You see this mom going, you know what? I really believe that there needs to be a good church at Philippi. There's no synagogue. There needs to be a great church here. And so what are we going to do, Lydia? Let's start it at my house. Since there's not enough men to have a synagogue, we'll just use my place. And the church of Philippi begins because a woman, a mom decides, a woman, a mom decides, I'm going to build the kingdom up now. Where's Greater Elton going to be? Where's it going to be? This church has been around for 25, 26 years. And when we started way back in the day, in the basement of my home, that was our first service, in the basement of my house. I remember we're sitting there, Robert jumps on the TV, and he goes, hey, I'm a televangelist. And we said, yeah, crazy man. You know, so, but we, we, start, we start this church 26 years ago. You know what they said then? They'll never make it. They'll never make it. Why? They're, they're young and dumb. We were dumb and we were young. But we loved the Lord. That's right, Gary. We loved God. And it was not just men, but women that had a major role in that. Here we are 26 years later. You know what they're saying now? Will it be around for 20 years? Will it be here 20 years from now? Will it be here 20, another 25 years from now? i got news for you, folks. It's going to be here. You know why? Because moms are going to invest in this church. Because dads are going to invest in this church. You see, guys, if you want the church to be here later, you invest in her now. That's what you do. Look at this passage here. This is the church of Philippi. This is up on your screen. This is the book of Philippians. This church by now, years have passed. They have elders. They have deacons. They've grown enough to where they have designated leaders now in this church. And look what Paul says. This is his favorite church. It's been called the Sweetheart Church. His Sweetheart Church. His favorite church. I can see why. Look what he says here. I thank my God every time I remember you. Always praying with joy for all of you. I thank God for the help you gave me while I, was, while I preached the good news. Help you gave me from the first day you believed. What's he, what's he referring to? That Riverside? That Philippi? That very first day when Paul and Silas and I showed up with Timothy. You know, here's Paul. We're walking up. Here's Timothy. Just been circumcised. He's kind of lagging behind for obvious reasons. We're going to go pray. He just wants to go lay down. But he wants, we're going to pray. And we meet these women. And Lydia is one of those women. And she goes, she's listening. And Paul can tell, wow, you're just really listening. And begins to, oh, wait a minute. Now I get it. That's why I've come here. That's why the Macedonian. You, God, you've just, you arranged this. Yes, I did. This is a mom that wants her family reached. And I want you to reach this family. And she wants 
wants to know the Lord. And he begins to talk and she becomes a Christian. The rest of the family becomes a Christian. She opens up her home. Paul and Silas and the rest of them take off. They go to another direction. And the church still keeps going and going and going. They get grow and they grow and they grow and they grow. And Paul says, I thank God for them. I thank God for you, for the help you give me the first day you believed until now. And look what he says. This is a verse we love to take out of context. He's saying this to the church of Philippi, to the Lydia's, to Lydia's church. God began doing a good work in you. And I am sure he'll continue it until it's finished when Jesus Christ comes again. Is greater I'm going to be here 20 years from now? It's going to be here until Jesus comes again. Because he who began a good work in you and I, after we're dead and gone, the next generation will pick this torch up. And it will be another generation of moms, another generation of dads, another, another generation of Christians. It'll just keep going on and on and on. And it happens, guys. Like I said, there's, there's that statement. My church will be here later when I invest in her now. And that's the truth. You and I are a product. This church is here because of people who invested in it years ago. You're enjoying it now. And it's your turn. It's your turn to invest in her now. Are you helping the kingdom grow? Are you helping Greater Alton grow? Do you believe that there needs to be a community of believers in this city? I think it's interesting... Lydia is from Thyatira. Where's that? Well, that's her home base. That's what it says in Acts 16. I got to thinking, where have I read that word before? It's in Revelation. It's one of the twelve church or one of the seven churches of Asia. One of the seven churches. And I just wonder, did Lydia ever go back? Because you never see her mentioned in Philippians. Is she dead by this time? Or is she... Up at Thyatira. You know, she's involved in a church start. And could she have been involved in a church plant? Because she just, she goes, you know, I just want to reach my family here. I want to reach my family back home. Guys, what I'm trying to tell you is this mom worked to build the kingdom of God up. Are you working to build the kingdom of God up? Whether you're a mom or a dad or a kid. The kingdom will be here if you'll invest in her now. You have a card in your bulletin. And the card is just a communication card. You can, you, we're going to give you a chance to fill that out as we sing a song here. And maybe there's, maybe there's something you would, like to, you would like to request. You know, God, help me be like Lydia. I want to open my heart to you. Or, I, God, I, I, you know, I, I'm not a Christian. I want to be baptized. Why not check that box? I want to make that commitment. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's not that. Maybe you say, you know what? I need, to, I need to worship. And not just at church, but just be a worshiper at home. Be a worshiper with my kids. Be a worshiper in my, and with my family. Are you building up the kingdom? Uh, guys, honestly, I just think about are you... Do you want to see the kingdom of God around for your kids and for your grandkids and for their kids?
it's all going to depend on the choices you make. Is your home spiritual? Or is it secular? More secular than spiritual? Is it, is it a home that God's values are lifted up? Or is it more about what we talk about the most is sports, money, job, shows, TV? Or is it about the Lord? Is it eternal stuff? Maybe you need to make a decision this morning. As a mom, I'm going to, you know what, I've been quiet. And I'm going to tell you, you know, if you've been a mom that's been quiet, you, you've not been that spiritual person you need to be, I want to tell you, you, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I'm telling you, you do have a big impact. I'm telling you personally, I, my mother had a big impact on me, and you can still have a big impact. My mother, by the way, I called her this morning, 8 o'clock, 8.30 here. It was 6.30 there. Happy Mother's Day. Hello? Wishing her Happy Mother's Day. Left her, left her off the phone in tears. Not because I'd said anything mean to her. <laughs> My mom, love you. <laughs> you know. I know she wanted a spiritual home. Maybe your mom, you go, you know, I'd love, I want a spiritual home, Tim. Can I tell you, you begin again. Take a hit at it again. Why? It's worth it. Your kids will be better. Your marriage will be better. Your life will be better. Dads, the same goes for you. We can learn a lot from mom. We can learn the same thing from mom. You being the dad you need to be. Um, You don't have to be perfect. Just be a good dad. Seek the Lord. Seek His Word. Follow what He says. And watch your home become a spiritual place. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll sing this song, give you a chance to fill out that card, and then we'll sing another song and take up those cards with our contribution as we close out the service. Holy God, we thank you this morning for Lydia, for her example, Lord. Father, I pray you'll, just, you know, you'll help us this morning learn some lessons from this woman, some incredible lessons about how to build a spiritual home. Lord, thank you for the women, the women in your kingdom, Lord. Thank you for the women in our lives that, that, that point us and nudge us and encourage us to, to believe and trust you. And Lord, bless them today, Father. I know some of us here have lost our mothers recently. And Father, I know that you know, with Melissa and Denise, and just, I know some others, that, that Mother's Day, even my mother remembering her mother this morning, uh, and she started to weep. Lord, I know that um, if we've lost our mother, let us celebrate Mother's Day for her, and, and, and just be with gratitude, Lord, because we are so grateful to have godly moms, Lord. For those of us that... Maybe not even have such a godly mom, Lord. We pray that, that you'll help us be like a godly mother. Help us break the cycle, so to speak, and be that Christian patriarch, Father, in our home. Um, for the single moms here, Father, I know some of the single moms here, it's very tough raising kids. Uh, sometimes it feels like they're by themselves, Lord. Let them see your spirit helping them, Father. Let, let these single moms know that Lydia who seemed to be a single mom, was able to, to reach her household as well and, and do some incredible stuff. Lord, use us, Lord, as parents. Use us as people. The kids that are coming after us, Lord, it won't be long until some of the kids here will have kids. Lord, help us be a church that has, that has not just a, a, um, an ancestry, Father, but can leave a legacy and leave a direction and leave a future intact for the next generation to take hold of, Father as child after child, as generation after generation comes. Help us invest now, Father. 
Help us invest furiously right now into your kingdom and make it a place that's, that's a spiritual place that glorifies you always. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.